Welcome to Women of the Military Podcast, a girl's guide to military service brought to you by Women Veteran Alliance. This week, we're focusing on not only physical health, but mental health as well. I think it's important that we talk about both the mental and physical aspect of preparing for the military because there are a lot of physical and mental challenges to being in the military. And so, I wanted to get advice from an expert, so I asked Ashley McGee. She was on the podcast in episode 96, where she shared about how her depression led to healthy changes. Today, she runs Healthy Women Warriors, and she also has a podcast helping to provide resources and advice around fitness and mental health, and so who better to get? Then Ashley for this podcast episode. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started with this week's episode. Thank you to our title sponsor, Women Veteran Alliance. Women Veteran Alliance is the premier national network focused on directly impacting the quality of life of women veterans. They do this successfully through transforming the way the community networks bring people and programs directly together. Women Veteran Alliance provides weekly webinars, conferences, scholarships for veteran businesses, and more. Check out their membership options and learn how you can be involved in connecting with women veterans by heading over to their website at www.womenveteransalliance.org. But besides connecting women veterans, Women Veteran Alliance does so much more. This year, Women Veteran Alliance is hosting a live broadcast in person throughout the U.S. and online. It will be held on September 9th and 10th of 2022. You can head over to www.womenveteransalliance.org to learn more about where in-person locations are and to register. Women of the Military would also like to thank our sponsor, Jay Volbrecht Consulting. Jay Volbrecht Consulting is owned and operated by Marine Corps veteran Jennifer Volbrecht. Jay Volbrecht Consulting is a premier project management and project controls company who partners with government agencies to deliver energy and technology projects to support defense and science missions. They do this work with a unique focus on leadership and people-first mentality, which supports a positive work environment. Being veteran-owned and operated, Jay Volbrecht Consulting invests in hiring veterans and working with transitioning service members as they exit the military. Learn more at www.jvc-inc.com. That's jvc-inc.com. Welcome to the show, Ashley. I'm really excited to have you back. We're going to be talking about fitness and health and mental health, and I'm just really excited to talk about this topic with you and get to hear more of your story through this interview. Well, thanks for having me back. First of all, I'm you know, I've always loved the podcast and I think we both know I can talk endlessly about fitness and health. So some of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to do the series for helping girls join the military for my book that's coming out in September, A Girl's Guide to Military Service. And when I was thinking about fitness, I was like, I know who to talk to. I'll send Ashley. So you were my first choice. So I'm so excited that you said yes. I want to start with someone who is considering joining the military, but they have like no fitness past. Like maybe they did PE in high school, but they're not healthy and active and they're about to go to boot camp and it could be four weeks, it could be 12 weeks. What would you tell them 
if they were trying to decide how to prepare for basic training? Yeah, so it can be so overwhelming when you're starting to consider that path. And even even when you do have an athletic background, you know, I was a competitive swimmer before I went to the Naval Academy. And I still like I still prepared specifically for going to the Naval Academy and still got my butt kicked. <laughs> so regardless of where you're at in that spectrum, it can be daunting. And I do kind of want to mention that there are different resources that you can use depending on where you're at, like financially. So starting point, just to give yourself a baseline of, hey, this is what I need to work towards is just Google what the PT requirement, like the actual physical readiness test requirements are for the branch of service you're looking at. Because that's going to give you a baseline of like, you know, if you're going, obviously, I know Navy the best because that's where I'm at, right? It's going to be cardio. And when you're in boot camp, it's pretty much exclusively running push-ups and now planking for the core rather than sit-ups. But if you're going to like the Marine Corps, they have all kinds of crazy stuff that they do with like pull-ups and I think like ammo stuff anyway. So that's the first step is, is just kind of get an idea of what you need to start training towards. And because that like the physical readiness test is going to be the thing that you're going to get tested on in boot camp. Um, and then, you know, annually or semi-annually throughout your career. So it's a good baseline. So that gives you like the standards to start with. But then like, okay, what do you do? (laughs) So if you have the resources available, look at like joining a gym, getting a personal trainer, someone that you can hand this to and say, hey, I need to be able to do this, especially for someone that doesn't have any sort of fitness background, it's really important to have some of sort some sort of guidance going through this process because it's really, really easy to hurt yourself. I see this all the time, not just with folks that are, you know, starting out with, you know, getting into the military, but even, you know, trying to lose weight, trying to get back into a fitness routine and they go too hard too fast or they don't have guidance and they injure themselves. And that's the last thing you want. So if you have the resources available, investing in a trainer is great. But there's also I I guarantee you probably know someone that is a gym junkie, right? Like I think we all have at least one friend that is that person that loves working out loves lifting weights and partner with them ask them, hey, like, can you help me that way they can teach you proper form. You can kind of learn about how your body's going to respond to different things because you can't just be focusing on, oh, I need to run. Like running is is all well and good, but you have to build that strength up too. Otherwise, it's it's not gonna be fun. <laughs> so that's that's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I think there's programs that you can like Google, like Couch to 5K, or even I had to do 20 push ups when I started training for ROTC. And I was like, 20 push ups? Like, how am I going to do that? And so I started with push ups on my knees and I did them every day on my knees. And then I did one or two on my toes and I like slowly built up over time the strength. And by the time that I started, the ROTC program, I had already, I could do well over 20 because I had just done it and slowly built over time. And I think if you can just start slowly building that, and if you can find the resources, there's a lot of free resources. I think a trainer is even better because then it's more personalized and can help prevent those injuries. But yeah, no, and there's, I mean, you can Google push-up ladders, plank ladders, like how to train, you know, Google any of those things and you're going to find a ton of free resources online. So really, you know, start where you're able 
ultimately, if you have the ability to invest in someone to help you, it's going to help you progress probably a little bit faster and and more safely. But start where you have the availability to. Yeah. And fitness, we're talking about physical fitness as in working out, running, push-ups. And if you're joining the army, you definitely need to Google the ACFT because it's totally different than what the traditional military test is. But what about the nutrition side? Because that's just as important. And I think a lot of times we forget to talk about that. We just are like, you need to start running, you need to start doing push-ups. But really, it's both a fitness and health that you put together. Yes, really good question, especially since typically when we're looking at who is looking to join the military, they're probably young, right? Probably between 18, 22. And that's an age where you can still probably get away with eating whatever you want for the most part and be okay. And it's something that you probably don't think about until you have to start fitting into standards, fitting into uniforms. So I'm all about, again, small steps. I'm coming at this from a perspective of, let's say you're someone who eats, you know, mostly like processed foods or fast food, right? Like maybe you're not used to cooking for yourself, things like that. So the starting point is really start incorporating whole foods into your diet. And when I say whole foods, like people like, what does that even mean? I like to say foods close to nature in that it's, you know, your fruits, your vegetables, meat <laughs> and it hasn't gone through some sort of industrial process. So that can feel very daunting to people that ha- are not used to preparing their own food. Again, there are so many resources online to help you kind of start to find recipes, even learn the basics. And again, you probably have a friend that is into this sort of thing. You know, not everyone was necessarily raised in a household where that's something that they saw modeled. Um, So I understand that, you know, people's backgrounds are different. So if that isn't something you grew up in, you know, seek out a friend or, or someone else that, that may be able to help give you those basics. Now, once you join, right, you are pretty limited in what you have access to depending on where you're at. So it's really helpful, I think, to just get like one to two, just as a starting point, like one to two healthy recipes like down. I can make this in a hotel room with a rice cooker or whatever, right? Something very simple that's easy to do for you. That's going to give you a good baseline for when you are stressed, busy, you have something healthy to fall back on and you start creating those habits rather than, oh, I'm stressed, I'm busy, I'm tired. Let me go through a fast food drive through So it's about creating that that foundation. It doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> You'll have to know everything about clean eating and, and all the things and cooking out the get-go, but just starting that process because it's much easier to start when you're younger than you know after you have... 30, 40 years of established habits, and you're trying to change that. (laughs) So true. And another thing that I thought about when we were talking was about minimum and maximum height and height weight requirements. And what if someone is about to join the military, but they're at, I've talked to a lot of women who are at like the bottom end of the spectrum. And I've also talked to women at the high end. So I think it's like two different things that we don't talk about enough, especially for women, because I've heard that women who are at the lower end are told not to work out because then they might lose more weight, which is actually not true. And so can you touch on that and any advice for people who are struggling to lose weight? 
Oh, man. I, I cringed internally with that, like, oh, that's such bad advice. But yes. <laughs> so <laughs> first of all, everyone needs to strength train. <laughs> I don't care where you're at on that spectrum. Everyone needs to strength train. Why? Um, so muscle does does weigh more than fat. So for the people on the lower end, it's going to help build it. But like also what you're going to endure in the military and boot camp, whatever your ascension point is, like you need to have muscle on your body. Otherwise, it, you're good you're going to break. And I don't mean that like in mental capacity, like your body will, will get injured and break if you don't have a muscular foundation. For folks that are looking to lose weight, higher muscle mass actually helps your metabolism burn basically higher, right? Like you burn more calories per whatever effort you're doing when you have more muscle mass. So it's something that a lot of people focus, oh, like just cardio, especially when they're trying to lose weight. You see it at the gym all the time, like the people that only spend time on the cardio machines, but that's actually a recipe to stay stuck. <laughs> um, strength training is is so, so important. And with that, also making sure that you are taking in an appropriate amount of protein to support that muscle generation. Women especially, we are notoriously bad at bringing in enough protein in a day. And like, what is enough? Medical guidance and data varies. Personally, I try to get 20 grams per meal at a minimum. That's like the minimum what I try for. I've heard some data go up to, you know, basically whatever your ideal weight is to consume that in grams of protein per day. That's a lot for (laughs) a lot of people. So again, starting with what's manageable and you know, supplementing where where you need to. So like protein shakes and things like that. But those are like, that's kind of the first piece. And I'm really glad you brought up height and weight standards because this is something that I would I would love every person joining the military to internalize this and take this on before they ever go through their first height and weight, which is that your height and weight, first of all, does not define your worth, does not define your value. And even if you're not necessarily where you want to be or you need to work to get into standards, that doesn't make you like less of an asset to the military. Not to mention, if you're looking to just pass just based on a scale, we already talked about the fact that muscle weighs more than fat. I can tell you like depending on the week, right? Because <laughs> my, my weight will fluctuate a little bit. But like even as a health and fitness professional, I still will get taped. Like I will still not pass weight because I have such a like solid muscular foundation. So there's no shame in being taped and you may see differences in that in that opinion like around you, but I just I want people I want women especially. We put so much shame and guilt in our bodies. I really want to like have you take that on that the scale does not determine your worth. Rant over. <laughs> I think that's a really good point because we do need to talk about how restrictive is like the word that comes to mind when you think about the height and weight standards and how they put you in this little box of where you're supposed to be. And they technically need to be updated and more accommodating to different body types, especially with the changes with the ACFT. I've heard a lot of women who've tried to bulk up muscle so that they can pass the ACFT and then they have trouble meeting the weight standard because they have all that extra muscle mass and they have that challenge. And so, and we talked to someone in the series with that exact issue. So I think it's really important that we talk about how important it is to 
realize it's just a number and the way the military measures it and the fact that they have the tape system is to understand that not all bodies are the same and that bodies are different and they they're I think they're working to make accommodations and they're trying to get better so yes yeah it's it's very outdated science also like if anyone ever tells you to do anything based on like your BMI just immediately don't trust them cuz BMI is complete and utter BS is there anything else around fitness and health that you wanted to touch on that I didn't ask you about before we switch over to mental health, which is another part of fitness and health that I think is really important to talk about? So I think a couple things I just want to mention, because we kind of focus on like when you're joining more so, but also being aware of like what barriers may come your way once you're in, because it's kind of ironic. You would think people in the military would be like really healthy and great shape, but <laughs> that's not necessarily the case. And, and a big reason for that is because of these barriers. So you're going to be working most likely long hours. You may have limited accesses, access to resources, especially when you're deployed, right? And I'm talking like even fresh fruits and veggies and workout equipment. So the early you can learn how to, again, like start establishing these habits and breaking some of the like diet culture BS that that comes with this stuff. So you don't need to work out for, uh, for an hour at the gym for it to count. If you have 10, 15, 20 minutes to get some sort of movement in your schedule because you're crazy busy, then then take it. And, and guess what? Every little bit counts. Every little bit is going to help for not only your like physical fitness, but your mental health. So that I just want to like throw that out there. I, I'm big about like managing expectations. <laughs> and when you're preparing to join the military and, and look at this from a holistic health standpoint, you need to be aware of you know probably some of the obstacles that are going to face you going in. I think that's really important to talk about. And I remember when I first went on active duty, we were doing PT three times a week. And like, that was all the PT I was doing. And like, I was gaining weight. And I was like, why? And it's because before I had worked out all the time. And I don't know why I thought the three times a week was enough, but I wasn't getting enough movement. And I was, you know, on my own cooking my own meals. And it just it was a big shift and I wasn't really prepared for it. And I had to make a bunch of changes after being in the military for six months because I was like, oh, I can eat whatever I want. But that's not that's not the case. And it's really important to think about like a busy work schedule or like when I was deployed, we had a tent for a gym and it had like two treadmills and some weights and then that was like it. And so I had to learn how to like, I found running paths around the the fob that I lived on and other ways to get my fitness in that weren't the traditional thing. Well, I was doing CrossFit before and I couldn't do CrossFit in Afghanistan. So like, how do you make it work and use what resources you have to be able to work out? And you were on a ship, so you had even less resources than me. Well, we didn't have trails, but yeah, um, I... <laughs> I mean, on my first deployment, I literally had a portable DVD player and I would go to like the aft missile deck and do turbo kick DVDs just like on because that's that's what I had until it got to like a heat index of 130. And then I moved to like one of the sonar rooms. But yeah, finding creative ways to not only work out, but like make it fun for yourself because it's so easy 
And this is like not just if you're deployed, right? This is for anyone. It's so easy to like get in a rut with your fitness routine and then it doesn't feel fun anymore. It doesn't feel interesting and, and your brain craves novelty. So figuring out ways to kind of mix things up to continue to make fitness joyful instead of just something that you have to do. Because if you can make that switch, that's where it becomes like a lifelong habit rather than like, you know, the moment you get out, you stop working out and then you're like, why do I feel this way? Yeah, that's so true. If you can make fitness something that you like enjoy, like going on walks or like, I really like hit workouts and strength training, but I used to only just run and now I have hit and strength training and running and I can do all those different things and it adds more variety and I still work out even though I've left the military. Now it's it's been longer than I want to say. No, <laughs> it's been eight years, almost nine. And it's just crazy how much time has passed. But I agree, you have to like find what you like, swimming, horseback riding, whatever fitness activity, or even playing sports. There's all different ways that you can be active and it all counts. And the more you do, the better you feel. And that's so important. Yeah, I, I cannot... I, I don't know what it was, but I had several friends that after college and once entering the fleet got into rugby as like their sport and fitness of choice. So I don't know if they just had a lot of pent up ag- aggression and they needed to get that out, which I understand. But yeah, like I think people forget that as adults, you can play sports too. Yeah, that's so important. So let's switch over and talk a little bit about mental health and why it's so important and how does it tie into fitness and health? Absolutely. So I want to start by saying I think that this is one of those areas that the military is, has really improved upon, uh, especially since I first joined. Um, I talk pretty openly. I, I struggled with depression on my first tour. And so and that was something that like we didn't talk about then. <laughs> so the fact that, you know, we have and again, I'm Navy biased, but you know, we have training where we're talking about burnout. There's no there's now a coaching program for the DOD. Like mental health is something that we as the military are are realizing is really important. And that's huge. So why does it matter? First of all, (laughs) your ability to do your job and just show up day to day is severely impacted by by your mental health. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, burnout, that's going to limit your abilities to do your job and also do that, like show up for the people that matter most to you, right? So it's not just about the job. It's also about your relationships, enjoying your life, enjoying your hobbies, all of these things. When you're in that place where you're not healthy mentally, it can kind of put a dark cloud over everything. So that's, you know, why does it matter? Why is it important? As far as how can you impact it while you're in the military and and entering, right? So I think entering is, you know, establishing those those expectations for yourself. Talk to people that have served, you know, that's why this podcast is fantastic too, is you bring so many people's stories. So it can kind of paint a picture for folks that are looking at joining. So you you have that kind of setting of the expectations as you go in, but also figuring out what are the things that that fill your cup, that bring you joy. Uh, one for me is reading a book every night before I go to bed. <laughs> I remember when I first got to the Naval Academy, I, I wasn't reading just because, you know, I was tired. There's so much going on. And it took me about three months where I was like super irritable and I couldn't figure out like, what is wrong? Like, what is the difference? And I had lost this habit that I've had my entire life of like decompressing and winding down for bed. So 
that was something where for me, I knew I had to bring back. But, you know, maybe it's knitting, sewing. I know those are things you can't necessarily always do on deployment, right? But but figuring out what those hobbies are that that bring you joy, that fill your cup, that's going to be really important. And then learning how to advocate for yourself. And I wish that someone would have told me this. I actually, I wish specifically a senior female would have told me this at the beginning of my career, because as women, we often feel like we have to prove ourselves more or we're in an environment, unfortunately, where there are still leaders that are a little misogynistic and kind of suck, right? And so it's not even a, we feel that way, but we're actually put in that position. So you need to learn how to speak up for yourself to say, actually, no, like this, this time is like my workout time. It's a non-negotiable. I'm doing that. Or especially if you're like not deployed, you're ashore, things are maybe less intense, setting work-life boundaries where your boss isn't calling you or texting you after like outside of working hours. Those are things that you have the right to and you should be able to speak up about them. And if you get pushback, find an ally, find someone else that's there or even in like an, an adjacent command say, no, like this isn't okay. And this person like needs this time. It's really, really easy for us to burn ourselves out because we think we have to do all the things. We can't take care of ourselves because we're going to get that pushback. And you just, yeah, you have to learn to say, no, this, this is something that's important. And if you don't want me to burn out, if you want me to still like be here, you need to let me do this. Yeah, I've learned a lot about boundaries this last year. And the first thing that I learned was I didn't have any. And so when people would push up against my boundaries that I like thought I had, I couldn't express it in words of like, I need to work out every day from this time to this time. My work hours are from this time to this time. And like, of course, you're in the military and there's the mission. And there are times that you'll have to work after you want to go to work and you'll miss that workout. But that's mission focused. And that should be an exception, not the rule. And so I think the first step is to realize like what's important to you, which is what you talked about. And then creating those boundaries and then setting them and then sticking to them. And like, it's really hard for me to say no to people, but I have worked on like creating canned responses for things that I uh, deal with in my business over and over where I don't have to get emotional about it. And I can just be like, no, I can't do that because at that time I do Mm -hmm. this and that. And there's always exceptions and like they're your boundaries. So if you want to break them, Or if the mission makes it so that you have to work at an extra hour because it's an exercise and you're working 12-hour shifts or whatever it is. But first, I realized I needed to have boundaries and I needed to know what they were so that I could express them in words to people and say, I can't do that. That my boundary is this and I can't do that because this breaks that boundary. And so I think... I think for a long time, I thought I had boundaries. And I was like, why are people just walking over me? And it was because I didn't have boundaries. And the boundaries I thought I had, I didn't even know what they were. And so I couldn't tell someone how they were breaking my boundary because I couldn't say no, because I didn't know where that line was. Absolutely. And I think especially when you're first joining the military, you're you don't realize that that's even a thing that you can do, especially going through boot camp. Like, you you know, like in that time, you're you're being broken down and it's by design. But once you leave that, like throw that mindset away of like, I have to ask permission for everything. And remember, too, that people you you 
show people how to treat you. You show people what is and is not acceptable. And I I wish I wish I had the words like that is not appropriate thing to say in my vocabulary as a young ensign because there were so many times where someone would say something completely inappropriate and I did not think that I had the not just, not the right but like didn't think that I had the ability really to push back because that it was my commanding officer or a department head or you know someone that outranked me. I also wanted to mention that I have a women of the military mentorship program that I've created where I am working to connect young women with women who are farther in their career. So be it you're joining the military and you want someone in the military who can help you, or if you're in the military and you're thinking about transitioning and you can talk to a veteran, that way we can support each other as a community of women and give advice. And it takes it so that it's like outside your chain of command and you don't have to like find someone on base who's out. I can help you get connected with someone who will be able to provide advice and not be biased to whatever the military situation that you're in is. So I'll link to that in the show notes so that you can sign up to be a mentee. Or if you're listening and you want to be a mentor, you're welcome to join that too. I love that. That's definitely something that we need in the community. (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm just realizing that it's a lot more work to create a mentorship program than I thought. So bear with me. I'm in the middle of a PCS right now. And so I have big plans on how to help it grow. And right now I'm just in like the gathering stage and connecting stage, but there's more to come, especially next year after I get settled and the book is launched and maybe life will be a little easier. (laughs) Love it. Is there anything else that we missed that you think we should talk about before we wrap it up? I think we pretty much hit on everything. If anyone that's listening, you know, has questions or, or, you know, wants to talk more about anything that I talked about, they can definitely reach out to me directly. Again, I love talking about this stuff. (laughs) And I have a, a Facebook group healthy women warriors, uh, where it's, you know, military women focused on health and wellness. Um, I'm on Instagram, Ash McGee coach, and, and I have a military health and wellness podcast uh, as well, uh, healthy women warriors. So, uh, if people like digging into these topics a little bit more with that military focus, that's where they can find me. Yes. And we'll link to everything in the show notes so that people can find you easily. And especially if you're joining the military and you're looking to get help on health and fitness, join Ashley's Facebook group, listen to our podcast, get connected so that you can get more resources. We just barely scratch the surface. There's so much more. And of course, specialized stuff when you work one-on-one with people. So I always end interviews with veterans, which you've already asked answer this question, but maybe you'll have a different answer. But what advice would you give to someone who is considering joining the military? Yeah, I think it's still the same answer. Because <laughs> the last time I was on, it was learn to advocate for yourself, right? And I just talked about why that's so important. So yeah, that's I think that's still probably my my number one, you know, stomping foot. foot like this is really important and. I think the reason I ha- I keep going back to it is because I see every single day someone struggling to do this. So, and I also struggle to do it. I've gotten called out for <laughs> not maintaining boundaries. Like I've canceled leave for work things and yeah, so we all do it. It's a learning it's a learning process, but but that's the biggest piece. And and if you struggle with that, right, find someone to help too. I love it. That's great advice and 
I don't I don't care if it's a repeat. It's it's good to hear. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to get this episode out. Thanks, Amanda, for having me. And congratulations on the book. That's very exciting. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope that it helped you in your journey to the military. And if you want to learn more about joining the military, please check out my new book, A Girl's Guide to military service and I'll have a link so you can pre-order in the show notes and I also want to give another shout out to our sponsors for the series Women Veteran Alliance, Jay Volbrecht Consulting, Garrett Sorensen with Markham Wealth, Photography by Trish Algrea Smith, Serve Like Her, and Nomadies Collections. You can learn more about our sponsors at the Girl's Guide to the Military landing page, which I have linked to in the show notes where you can also find every episode from the series. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll come back next week. All of the information presented in this podcast is personal opinion and is not meant to be medical advice nor in any way to be an endorsement of any of the treatments or items listed herein. Always consult a physician for all medical advice. The podcast can contain errors or omissions that should not take the place of licensed medical care.